I'm Jenny. And I'm Chris. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, where topics are what's under discussion. Jenny, do you have, um, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything you want to plug? I currently have nothing that I want to plug. Well, other than uh, go back Aaron Reed's book, Subcutanean. It's a procedurally randomly generated text, text, print, print, text novel with print words on ink. Whoa. Yeah, it's a pretty cool idea. They killed trees to make this book? (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're gonna. It's a kill tree on demand. I can order a hit. (laughs) On a tree. Yes. That's this is power that I did not know that I had or that I or even know that I wanted. Ah, um, forcing through your veins, huh? That's right. I can feel the rush. Uh Chris, do you wanna introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Um, I do not have anything to plug yet, unfortunately. I'm I'm deep down in the uh writing a uh, couple of inform projects uh mines. Oh, cool. So yeah. But those are not yet uh not yet out. All right. Watch this space. I'm I'm never going to update this podcast with your <laughs> <laughs> But perhaps you'll be on the podcast again. Perhaps. They're they're parser fiction. I like four people are going to play them. I think it'll be okay. It'll be all right. I mean, that's that's fair. All right. You guys ready for some topics? Oh, love them. Bring them. Yeah. Chris, you have here there are so many vegetables when you peek outside cultural silos. So many that we don't use or know about. Would you like to talk about that? This is a um, this is the thing I've been noticing more and more because I've started uh, shopping at uh, different kind of nationalities of markets for a while now, right? Because I I would be introduced to like purple sweet potatoes or something like that, like um, something that that isn't uh, typically consumed in the mainland U.S. but is delicious. And then once you get into one of those uh, stores, you start. Noticing that there's a bunch of stuff that you've never tried, and and you start trying them, and then when you start speaking to people who are from different cultures, like they've also n- a lot of times never tried stuff that we consider familiar, even if they're living in the U.S. And it's it's just weird, right? Like we've got these like overlapping cultures of vegetables. Yeah, and it's interesting that that stuff um, that that variety exists even in places that you wouldn't really consider that culturally diverse, like. There are farms growing the Buddha's hand, uh, and you can just get it if you know what store to go to. Yeah, and just to clarify, that's the those are the ones that look like a creepy lemon hand, right? Like, yeah, we um we found one at Safeway recently, and by and by one I mean like a shelf of them. Um, and not I had, just one lying there like a monkey's paw. <laughs> it was just I found it in the bathroom. <laughs> oh God. Someone had put it in the toilet, or maybe it had, like, come up from... (laughs) Hello, Jim. It's me, the Buddha's hand. (laughs) I'm here to teach you about diversity of fruits and vegetables. You can zest me or candy me. (laughs) I provide a delicious citrus punch to dishes you wouldn't expect me in. (laughs) Like the toilet. Oh, God. (laughs) The toilet is more of a soup. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, we didn't actually get that. We actually put the Buddha's hand in the cart, and then when we found out it was twenty dollars for one of them, it was $20? like twenty dollars. Yeah, you can keep it Safeway. What kind of what kind of hipster like daily massaged uh, Buddha hands are you are you getting out there in the Bay Area? That's nuts, man. I I mean, I, it's the only one I've ever seen at this Safeway. So 
I looked it up later and they're like, you don't even eat it like a fruit. It's like you just, it's just a big lemon peel basically. Oh, wow. Which is why it said to zest or candy it, not like peel and eat it. You could probably make some artisanal cocktails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds good actually. Or I could just zest a lemon. You could. You could do that also. I ever tell you about the time I accidentally paid $11 for cashew milk? Uh, no. There was a small bottle of it just in the refrigerator section at like a Whole Foods. I was like, oh, cashew milk. This looks delicious. Nothing in the freezer section is ever more than like $4. I'm just going to pick this up and I'm going to open it immediately. Like after, after it's rung up and take a drink out of it. And then I'm going to look at how much it cost. (laughs) And then I'm going to feel regrets. Oh, is that better or worse than getting up to the counter and seeing it rung up and realizing that you have made a terrible mistake and now you have to like like weigh the social awkwardness of like hey can I uh, can I ask you to remove my um, my weird squash that I just bought that I didn't know was eight dollars? <laughs> <laughs> well, in in the case of the Buddha's hand, the cashier was looking at it like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> and so. So the the topic was already kind of in the air. So so that helps. I guess like the cashew milk was it in a, if it was in a really weirdly shaped container that could have worked. Or like if there was a missing child printed on it that that person recognized. Oh wow. Okay, so if regular children have their missing pictures printed on regular milk, what kinds of children have their pictures printed on cashew milk? Missing nuts. It can be any nut, not just a cashew. <laughs> Missing nut, my favorite Pokemon. <laughs> That's good that they're not they're not discriminatory down at the nut abduction clinic. <laughs> <laughs> the nut abduction clinic. <laughs> uh, they're mostly abducted by family members. Like it's not that big a deal. <laughs> That's still a big deal. <laughs> Fair. Jim, speaking of uh, speaking of weird uh, weird fruits and vegetables, have you um, have you been introduced to longans or longan fruit? I don't think I know that one. They're kind of a hand fruit, except you have to peel them. Is it still a hand fruit if you have to peel it? I mean, in my head canon, it is. Okay. I, yeah, I guess they're kind of like clementine level of yeah. This is not going to sell them to anybody, and Jenny would do a better job of explaining what they taste like and why they're delicious. But um, like, I guess like a like a grape that you have to peel like a shrimp. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Jenny, Jenny, you try describing it. I don't know if I would do a better job of selling them because I love them, and I have been known to eat like three bags of these things a week or something, but they're the best I can do on a flavor description is a uh, kind of perfumey. And, and do you have to like, you have to remove their tails and the, their digestive <laughs> system comes away with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you have to be really careful cause they're just pooping themselves constantly and right. you got to make sure you get all the poops out. Oh, I learned about uh, prawn harvesting. I found out I've been talking to my sister who writes grants for farmers and she's writing this grant for this prawn farmer. And I found out that the, a new method of harvesting prawns is you just drain the entire pond and then you go and get all of the prawns out in a single day. Wow. That's extremely effective. Yeah. I have no idea how it's worth the cost of, I guess I have no idea how much it costs to drain a pond either. 
Well, sure. Like if the pond is purpose built for this process, then it's you probably just have a drain. Like maybe a series of pipes or something like that? It's not what? a dump truck. <laughs> a series of pipes. Okay. <laughs> this would be a good place to segue into a topic about pipes, if only we had a topic about pipes. Sure. So um, I had read in uh, Nathan Altus's book, I Am Error, that Shigeru Miyamoto in an interview said that the green pipes in Super Mario Brothers were inspired by um, the common image in manga of the waste ground with pipes. And this kind of stuck with me as like, huh, I guess that's the origin of some important part of my childhood, but I didn't know what it meant. Uh, and so I looked it up later to see if I could figure out like, I asked some people who know what anime is. Do you know about this, about what a waste ground is like a waste ground of thing? And they were like, no, we have no idea. So eventually I looked, I like Googled it and I found a webpage, which I will put in the show notes, a, a link to it that explained that that interview was just badly translated and he's referring to a vacant lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like apparently the kanji is literally like empty earth or something like that. And um, during, in, in, in post-World War II uh, era Japan, uh, these vacant lots were filled with concrete pipes, like just stacked there uh, because they were being stored there for construction, for construction purposes. And so children just played on and around and in, in these pipes. And so it became part of a part of the, the, the culture to that. This is something that children do. And when you see a pipe, because you remember get, going into this, uh, these pipes as a child, you see a pipe and you want to go into it. Okay. And so, um, these, these pipes became, um, and, and the reason they turned out to be green in Super Mario Brothers, because it, all the, all the photos I saw were, were of gray pipes, gray concrete pipes. The reason they were green is that, um, that was the color that could get the best, like gradient highlight and on the NES palette. There must have been some overlap after, like, between the time that there were just pipes in playgrounds or in vacant lots all the time, and Super Mario Brothers having coming come out, where kids were just going into pipes, going whap, 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 constantly right, making that noise. Well, that's also the noise when you take damage and shrink down to half your previous size. Whoa! <laughs> so. <laughs> Mind blown. Mind blown. It's the same sound. <laughs> We're learning so much here on Topic Lords. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> but yeah, what were you going to say, Jim? I was going to uh, segue into um, how, just in general, I think it's really interesting at when cultures meet, but like, but don't, but don't interact enough that they start to merge. Uh, they, they can share these ideas that are interesting because they are foreign. And so I think a lot of the value of importing anime is in seeing the tropes that, um, that are just really obvious. Like, yeah, of course, every story does this in Japan, but are new and interesting here and, and most likely vice versa. I really love that. Do you have uh, do you have some examples? 
I would love to like, I, I say that, but like, I'm just like, I can't actually off the top of my head. I don't know enough about anime, even though I'm guessing this happens all the time. I think Chris was actually telling me the other day that uh, King of the Hill is popular when translated into Japanese because it's kind of like an honor story about a salary man. And it's very relatable. <laughs> I like yeah. that. And they actually had, um, you know, I may, they, I may be misremembering, but I believe that was one of the things that led to the crossover where they had, uh, they had some episode where, where Hank goes and finds out uh, spoilers, but he's got relatives in Japan uh, who are almost identical to him <laughs> and, um, <laughs> in, in the way that he reacts to things and stuff like that. So like Hank's, uh, Hank's kind of struggles, uh, were very recognizable at the time from what I understand to a Japanese audience. That's uh, really neat. That's um. now I'm going to forever, cause I haven't seen either episode. I'm going to forever confuse this with the episode where Homer Simpson finds the soap mascot that looks exactly like him. <laughs> uh, Mr. Spockeroo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always feel a little tiny bit of betrayal whenever I'm talking to somebody and I have not seen nearly as many episodes of the Simpsons as most people. And I think we're just having a conversation and they're saying something clever, but they're expecting me to respond with the next Simpsons line. <laughs> well, that, that's when you wow them with your improvisation. Mm -hmm. So now I'm wondering whether um, the enigma of Amagara fault uh, was also inspired by wanting to go into pipes. <laughs> uh, and those pipes are, I was thinking about this when you're talking about that, the, those pipes are usually stored sideways. So it's actually weird in Mario that they're going like down. Yeah. In the, in the yeah. Pipe. There was, what else is sideways? <laughs> there was a, a screenshot in that article that I will link to of um, a TV show that depicts the pipes that are standing up vertically. Uh, and I'm not sure where that TV show got that. And then it also has later on, um, like, here are some playgrounds with fake plastic uh, concrete sewage pipes that ch children can go play in. And these ones won't roll over and crush you. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we had a concrete pipe in the playground at my elementary school. It was where all the uh, the popular girls would have their secret club meetings and do friendship bracelets in. Are you bitter? Eh, a little bit. Yeah. I was too socially inept to realize I was being excluded at the time, but now I'm a little bitter. You know, you can just go make a friendship bracelet at any time. You can do it by yourself. Yeah, it's not as good if it's not in a pipe. That's fair. <laughs> we, Jenny, we have a, there is a vacant lot with pipes around the corner. I mean, we'd have to like wire cut our way in, but you know, can I, we could go can make I fit them? Yeah, they're the big ones. Like Holy the, shit. the six foot tall ones. Jim, we can't podcast anymore. Godspeed. I understand. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the, the crushing thing. Cause we had one on the, on the playground too, and nobody got crushed, but we did actually, and I, I remember this, uh, try to initiate a, uh, like a trying to roll the pipe with oh, a yeah. different team on each side. Yeah. And so it was lucky that they had like buried this thing pretty, pretty good. Cause there were, Oh, so you, like you were not just trying to roll. Well, everybody's on one side pushing. You were like pushing back and forth. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you were definitely aiming to kill some percentage of the children. I don't think we thought about it, but yes, in <laughs> retrospect, 
That's exactly what would have would have happened if our desires had been realized. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is also a nostalgia you could you could build an iconic video game out of. Oh yeah, that sounds like something for like uh, motion controls. <laughs> yeah, we we missed our chance. We should have built it on the Wii. Yeah. You know, the Wii had um, a web browser in it, and the web browser supported Flash. And so, I am sad that I wasn't working in Flash yeah. when the Wii was a thing. And so, I oh. could... Oh! Yeah, you could have made Wiimote Flash games. Yeah. Are you guys ready for another topic? Sure! Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, Jenny... You have here recurring segment, Jim's Baby Thigh Thickness Watch. Would you like to speak to that for a moment? Uh, yeah, so that was originally something that I wanted to like to start doing on our first episode and just check in check in with how thick your baby's thighs were yeah. every every week. But I guess uh I guess it's gonna have to be Probably just gonna be a one time thing. I mean, you could just bring this up every time you're on the podcast. So, uh, currently, my th- baby's thighs are thick AF. Okay. This is <laughs> this is the update. Yeah, he's a, he, he's a super chunky boy. Oh, boy. Are they gradually getting chunkier on, like, a linear progression? Or are they, uh, was there any exponential growth in, in thigh thickness that you witnessed? So there was, um, he was, he was born, um, pretty high up there in the percentiles. There was a little bit of a dip when we tried to figure out how to feed him. Mm. Um, but once we figured it out, uh, figured out to feed him dip, right? He, uh, he got back up in the 90th percentile or higher for, for weight. And so he's a, he's definitely a big boy. Apparently, uh, babies start like slimming down they they lose their baby shape and become baby shape and become more of a toddler shape once they start walking uh because that expends more energy sure that makes sense are you going to miss the baby shape you know so far every time i um look back at old pictures of him and old videos of him i'm like i i like him better now oh good like I thought he was super cute when he was a month old and I saw he was thought, and I still think he was like super cute when he was like 3 months old but like I saw a, I watched a video of him recently at like 5 months and he could barely hold his head up he was really shaky and it was just like holy shit what's wrong with my son baby was just in the goat simulator stage <laughs> and it was just that like he, his muscles weren't developed yet you know you're like get good noob <laughs> right <laughs> Isn't there, I mean, there's, I feel like there's a stage like that in video game development too. The the shaky head stage. <laughs> right. Where stuff's not like connected, right? Just that, like there's a, there's a, a stage of development where, and it's cause again, I'm like down in the, down in the development minds right now on a project, but like there's the, like nothing is connected right. And you can sort of get kind of a proof of concept working, but looked at from a, from an objective angle, as opposed to a, like, this is the stage that I'm in. It looks kind of, kind of jank. I feel like that stage repeats, and probably it does with people too, because I feel like puberty is sort of similar to that too, where just suddenly you like you've got you've got your sea legs, and like then everything goes straight to straight to hell again. You're like finally, I'm at the pinnacle of my child body. I have mastered all the interactions I will need to have with this body for my entire life. <laughs> so, so, 
what would be the equivalent of a of video games where you're super confident about um, the thing you're making about at its current stage, and then you suddenly realize like, oh, I need to grow this thing considerably, and then now you don't know what you're doing. I can think of the analog for playing video games, which is that part in Final Fantasy VII when you suddenly have to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Uh, I feel like having to like suddenly having to scope up dramatically is not a thing that I'm familiar with. Yeah, it's not it's not a thing most development cycles see. I don't think. I think most games have the opposite path where they start out wanting to do way too much and then cut. I, I think actually, I have a pretty unique experience here because all of my games are are built with with scope creep as a main feature. <laughs> I, I just want to say that with the with the expansion thing, I feel like that happens with storytelling uh, more often than than maybe with game development, where you're like, okay, I've got this, I want to do this giant thing, and then you know pull it back. But I've definitely tried to write short stories or do small uh, story based projects and be like, you start feeling around the edges for the story and where it is, and you're like, oh, no, this is no, this is too big. Like, and I've got this kind of slush pile of things that that. Um, would have worked better as novels or, or something than whatever I was trying to do. Oh yeah. 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 That thing where a project just announces like halfway through you working on it, that it should have been in a completely different form the whole time. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out what, what medium death stranding should have been. in. <laughs> From what people are describing, it sounds like Kojima just wants to make movies. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, this one is like I've so I played a couple of Metal Gear Solids, um, and they're fine. And this is really promising to me because it might actually be the like entirely the anime weirdness that was the best parts of all the previous Metal Gear Solids. Uh huh. Um. So like, I'm actually pretty optimistic about it. Um. But then, and this is kind of this is kind of part of the fun. I still kind of really don't know what it is. Like, I kind of want to go into it not knowing what it is. Yeah. That sounds preferable to me. I saw one of, like, the 80 trailers for it um, and had no idea what it was, didn't didn't see anything, and correctly identified it as a Kojima game. As a Strand game. Yeah. Yeah, then we tried to brainstorm the most Kojima thing we could come up with, which wound up being a boss just made entirely out of nipples. Uh... That when you killed it, it gave a soliloquy about how now when I die, so dies representative democracy. Uh-huh. And then, um, yep, I don't know if that's the voice it has. It probably has a. What does it? It doesn't have a really good in-game explanation for why it's made of nipples. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sure there's pages of justification in a PDF somewhere. My my favorite is uh, is the that there's a there's a character named Hot Coldman. I, I like to I like to imagine that's the only character name that Kojima himself personally localized. <laughs> <laughs> His email address is hotcoldman at temperature dot com. <laughs> Hotcoldmail dot com. This has been Jim's Baby's Thigh Thickness Watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh so this is a write-in, Chris, a different Chris, I think. I swear it's a different Chris. Okay. Asks ZZT, 
Jenny, the floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was this was you saw this in the topic bucket and got excited. So yeah, I did. I mean, I know that I know that you also have some some things to say. Oh, I've got stuff to say about ZZT, but I think you wanted to talk most. So, I mean, the the thing that I am most excited to share about ZZT. And I feel like maybe it would be a kindness to our listeners who aren't familiar with ZGT to describe it first, but I'm way less excited about that as I am about sharing that I discovered today after looking at the topic bucket that Uh the website museumofzzt.com. Yeah. Um, It now has, like, I think the last time I looked at it was in, I don't know, 2004 or something. Oh, you didn't read you didn't read my interview there after Frog Fractions too. I guess I didn't. Oh no, I'm a bad friend. That's that's okay. I, people write about me so much you could no one could possibly keep up. <laughs> it's true. Um, I didn't know that they had a play online feature. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, you can now play all of these these weird things without having to download them and DOSBox them and whatever you previously had to do, which is amazing. I checked in. Uh, there's one called um, something something like "Why are all the cowboys missing?" <laughs> yeah, that when you play it turns out to be about how North Korea is bad. Like there's you, you got, um, I think abducted to North Korea along with three American cowboys and the, the premise is you have to go find these cowboys and get all of yourselves out of North Korea before the cowboys like start some kind of international incident. That sounds incredible. Uh, (laughs) so, so let's actually talk about what ZZT is. So people will have any sort of context for that. (laughs) Sure. So ZZT was the, the so the person who made um, Unreal Engine uh, before that several years before that made a game called ZZT which is like Unreal Engine but in DOS text mode. Oh, it's incredible! It's all ASCII graphics. Yeah, and you can build a world out of these uh, ASCII characters, and there are a bunch of like built-in concepts like keys and doors and gems and like lions. Um, and you have to shoot the lions. Mm-hmm. And ammo. Uh, Find right. the ammo. Pick up the ammo and shoot the lions and tigers. There's um, also a uh, scripting language called ZZT Oop. Right, right. Uh, that this is the important thing is that uh, not only can you build out of these built-in concepts, you can also create your own objects with a rudimentary scripting language. Uh, and it's not a great programming language, but it is good enough to do a lot of really interesting stuff. And it was um, a lot of, I think a lot of game developers nowadays, one of their first experiences doing game design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really accessible. Um, and it kind of, I think, fell into like this kind of obscure, uh, like weird game place. For a lot of people, like I think a lot of teenagers uh, used it to make like kumquat jokes. Uh (laughs) That's definitely what I was doing with it. Do you have any of these? uh, Do you have a kumquat joke uh, ready to put in the show notes? Can you play it online? Uh, uh, No, I'm so sorry. I'm letting the team down. So you're saying yes, but you refuse to. <laughs> Nobody needs my kumquat jokes. It's 2019. <laughs> there are there are zillennials 
Wait, are, are kumquat jokes, uh, are they are they unwoke? I don't even know anymore. I don't, I don't, like, are all the, are all the classic tropes like kumquats and sporks and penguins, are they, are they still, are like 13 year olds still watching Monty Python and busting out those tropes or have they moved on? No, I was just going to share the the brief, terrible, uh, like, the, uh, with the Monty Python thing, but uh, browsing Reddit, uh, the, like the music and movie uh, subs, you will see stuff from your childhood or fairly recently, like within the last, like, six years of people explaining to the youngins, like, uh, these things that they might not have heard of. And it's like, I, that came out in 2010. It's <laughs> not that long ago. What? Snow dogs? <laughs> Hey, I don't know what Snow Dogs is. Oh, it's a movie where Cuba Gooding Jr. I haven't actually seen it, but I think maybe he inherits some Snow Dogs or he goes to Snow Dog Town to be a reporter or something. And Cisco, his brother is or plays his brother, who is a dentist. And I think there's maybe a love interest who likes the Snow Dogs and Cuba Gooding Jr. has to Snow Dog good and win both the town and his love. I have never seen this movie. Oh, okay. So no one knows what Snow Dogs is. <laughs> Chris, you've seen Snow Dogs. Uh, uh, yes, you did. You did pretty good, actually. You you nailed pretty much the major uh, plot arc. But yeah, like the guy who did the thong song is a dentist in the movie, and he is so happy to be in the movie that it makes up for a lot of the the other deficits. Like he is so so happy to be doing this. <laughs> like, this is like Marion Ravenwood in in the last Indiana Jones movie. Where suddenly she has a career again, and she's just super excited to to have a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is a shame because she was rad. Actually, I mean, it's a shame that she she didn't for some. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Hollywood is awful. Yeah, I dislike the trope of um, where if you're going to have multiple movies about the same protagonist, you have to throw out the love interest and get a whole new love interest, or like nobody's gonna care. I. I get the idea because you want to make the movie about uh, a transition, you know, you, it's, it's, I remember reading Rendezvous with Rama, which was a um, sci-fi movie by, not a movie, a book by Asimov, I think, or, or Clark, or Clark maybe, uh, about uh, astronauts exploring an alien ship. And that, that's a really interesting premise for a um for a story. And then I remember reading the sequel and it was about after they had colonized the ship and it was just like minutes from the, the, the meeting of the, <laughs> that sounds the, like Asimov of like the government of this, of this new colony. Like let's, let's go real deep onto the election. And it's just like, yes, this is what happens next in the story you told, but it's not the same kind of story. It's not an effective sequel and so, like, I totally get the uh, impetus to, like, no, we have to, we have to blow up all the ways in which the protagonist is, now, is was happy in the last one, so they can be, they can earn their happiness again. Yeah, I mean, you also kind of can't really get away with doing like, uh, oh, oh, you've suddenly lost that ship, and here's a brand new, exact replica spaceship. Well, that's isn't that what they did in the Hangover Two? I've never seen either Hangover. I think they just had another Hangover. I think that's what happens <laughs> in that movie. I'll kind of accept that for the Hangover, honestly. 
Right. <laughs> I think Harold and Kumar probably also just went to White Castle again. Good. That I mean, it's it's a tasty burger. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I I did see The Hangover, and I remember being pretty impressed with it. Like, it's a funny movie, but it's also a it's also effective as a mystery. Like the setup of this movie is that people wake up with not remembering the previous night, and there's like a baby in the closet and a tiger in the bathroom and Doug is just gone. And one of them is missing a tooth. Um, so it's like, like memento, but funny. Right. Yeah. And like the rest of the movie is figuring out, figuring out what, what happened and how to fix it. And it, it, it works. I think it's a, I think it's a funny movie. And then like my understanding is that the hangover two is the exact same premise, except there's a lion in the bathroom. <laughs> No, once you've you've created a machine that can just print money when you pull the lever, like I, I get it. <laughs> like you pull the lever, it's just like it makes me unhappy. I'm familiar now. with Adam Sandler's entire career. Yeah, I think the the Indiana Jones and uh, James Bond to a to a similar extent. Like I think there's like a, a multiple factors in play there for for why you get kind of like let's let's have a reset on the romantic relationship sort of thing, and and some of them make sense and some of them are not good yeah you have uh, i think a, an interesting contrast is um some interesting contrast is the terminator series where the first movie is well i, I now have to summarize the terminator in the first <laughs> <laughs> you really painted yourself into wait, wait 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 let 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 jenny do it let jenny do it I would... i've only i've only seen one terminator movie and that was Which... the second one okay you can summarize the second one i'll do the first one uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a gun in a rose box. He's the good Terminator, and then there's a bad Terminator, and there's a lady, and she's got a child who's going to be a better child in the future, so the bad Terminator wants to kill the child, but the lady and Arnold Schwarzenegger don't want that to happen, and I think they might have sex. Uh-huh. That's... So you've you've basically melded the plots of the first two movies. Okay, in a, in a maybe pretty- I have seen the first Terminator. <laughs> oh wait, is Arnold Schwarzenegger the bad Terminator? In the first one, he is. In the first one, he is. Okay, and that's and then he comes back. Right, he come. He's uh, he's an, another model, another of the same model of Terminator was sent back to protect John Connor this time in the second movie. Anyway, the, the point I was going to make was that um, although the premises of uh, a computer sends uh, a robot back in time to kill somebody important, the premises are, and then like the, the resistance sends back someone else to protect them. The premises are the same. The way they play out are vastly different. Um, and the characters involved are vastly different. And like uh, the Linda, Linda Hamilton, who played uh, Sarah Connor in both movies, just gets super ripped for the second movie and becomes like, this is what, you know, a woman who's decided that this is my job to save the world and I'm going to do the best I can. And like learns to like goes and makes friends with like uh paramilitary folks in Mexico and, and like raises her son on, uh, on a diet of, of, of guns and Kung Fu before the government takes him away. Uh, it's just a super different, idea and i think um uh an indiana jones movie totally could have had marion ravenwood be like pretty interesting competent sidekick oh yeah 
I mean, she was already heading that direction from the first scene where she shows up. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they just, it's, it's too easy to, to have a romance plot and it's one of the most recognizable, uh, like plot tropes. And so once you have a character who's in a stable relationship, like you, you don't have that story to draw on anymore. Um, and it's just, it's easy. Uh, I think is, is the biggest thing there. And like, yeah, there's other reasons, but like that, I, I agree that like, it would have been great. Like I would have loved to have her in the second movie and I think it would have been just fine. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know what franchise averted that really well? <laughs> Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell us about this. I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> um, so, it, so the first movie, I haven't seen all the Shrek movies and I'm not going to remember them super well, but the first movie definitely starts with uh, Shrek the ogre romancing a human woman um, who falls in love with him and decides to take ogre form. And then the next movies there, I can't remember if they like run into like relationship problems that they have to work out or if somebody just straight up gets kidnapped or what, but they have uh, still within the relationship they're having, like they're running into the next phase where you're like, Oh, the honeymoon period is kind of over. And now we have to actually live together as people. And then they have some kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you can totally tell different stories at different stages of a relationship. That really, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. They got through three, three movies like that. There was a, it was a whole like, um, yeah. Trilogy arc. The second one was really good. Yeah. Better than the first one, actually. Is, is that the, is that the good Shrek movie? Should I start with that one? Maybe. I don't, how much do you want to hear Smash Mouth song? All-star. <laughs> if you're, if your answer is less than all, all the times you may want to avoid the Shrek franchise. (laughs) Have you heard of the, the thing where a bunch of different animators and filmmakers got together and they each did like, I I forget if it was a minute or 30 seconds or 15 seconds, but just sliced up the entirety of Shrek like shot by shot and recreated it and then stitched it together. I know, but I heard about the same thing for star Wars which I, I, I'm wondering if it's the exact same thing. Uh, it was it was like they, they parceled it out in like 15 second chunks and everybody did their own version of that 15 seconds of movie. And then they, they spliced it all together into a, a watchable thing. Uh, and it was incredible. Like they were just – the incredible – like the especially incredible thing about it is like if you don't like what's happening, just wait 15 seconds. Oh, yeah. And like maybe the next thing will be hilarious. I was really impressed. So yeah, this this sounds like, and I wonder like, is this like I've I've seen Star Wars a bunch of times as a kid. So it, there's also the extra um, extra fun of like I already know the source material and I know like like if there's a joke that's based on um, knowing the original thing, I'll, I'm going to get that joke because I've seen the original thing. Whereas I wonder if the Shrek movie, the remake that was done the same way is going to be better or worse as a result of me not knowing the the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that, is it like on YouTube or something like that? Yeah. You can go on the YouTubes. I forget what words you have to exactly type in. It's something like Shrek the animation. Thank God for show notes. Yeah. That's, 
You punt, just punt it to the show notes. Uh-huh. Yeah, show notes will have to deal with that later. That's not even me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem for future Jim. Fuck that guy. Also, Frog Fractions 3 is going to be in the next show notes. Okay. <laughs> Watch out for that, everybody. <laughs> Did you ever hear the thing where your brain, when you're thinking about your future self, like the same parts of your brain light up as when you're thinking about a completely different person who's not even you? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's yeah. That makes a lot of it sense. It makes a though. lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you guys ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris, you have here creative work, writing especially. It looks like you're doing nothing from the outside a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I don't know how, how uh, big this one is. Just the fact that, like, I, I was trying to imagine what I look like from the outside when I'm trying to solve a problem or something. And this is just for, for everything, right? Like, because I've had, I've had jobs that involved heavy thinking for, like, an important amount of problem solving or whatever. And, like, 75% of it was wandering around chain smoking or just drinking cup after cup of coffee while staring at, at a hummingbird or something across the yard. And like, that's, it just, it, it looks weird and feels weird when I think about how much of my time goes to, um, yeah, kind of sitting there staring at things like a cat. Well, it's kind of like yeah. you've, you've hit a point where nothing in the external world can help you. So you gotta just like, shut down all stimulus so you can brain better and i'll tell you what that looks like from the outside it looks like a like a guy like stomping around kind of half frowning making himself a cup of coffee (laughs) (laughs) just mumbling about things (laughs) huh oh yeah i mean when i was writing for the the work project that's not in announced thing yet that I can't talk about. It involved me just mumbling to myself in the voices of the IP characters that I was writing for all day. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Like most of the creative work that I do, um, a lot of it is programming. So there's probably a lot more like typing and staring at compiler output. Um, it it is actually kind of frustrating to me when I have to just sit and think as like here's how I make progress on this thing because so much of the work that I do is like I can measure my progress like on a like if not on a minute to minute basis then usually like at least every half hour I can feel like a, yes I've I've made measurable progress forward in this last half hour whereas uh, I've definitely also come across problems where like, no, you just fucking sit and think for hours and maybe you move some pieces of paper around and you're not sure if you made it better or worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like just or weird, complicated programming problems where you're, where you're staring at this and you're like, I'm not actually sure the best way to do this or even what the, what the primary question is sometimes. Yeah. I like the writing thing where you just look at the same sentence and you're like, I think the relative clause should be at the beginning and then you move it and you're like, oh no, oh no, this was wrong. (laughs) I should put it back and then you put it back and you're like, no, it's not good there. Maybe I'll put it at the beginning and then you just do that for like a full hour of your life. You can just flip a coin. You have my permission to do that (laughs) next time. (laughs) 
Yeah, but what happens in your life if you don't make the exact perfect choice at every moment? Uh, I think you're living it. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> I've actually, um, dealing with that, with that problem uh, of, of, like, staring off into space, like, uh, and working on a hard problem, I've noticed, um, this is kind of cool, actually. I can, I can tell now, like, when my brain is avoiding something just because it it doesn't want to spend the energy so like that that layer of like you you would normally like if you don't pay attention to it you think like oh i just don't want to work on this or it's going it's unpleasant or that'll be unpleasant and then you start to break it down and you're like the actual unpleasantness is just that this is going to require like physical resources that like part of my brain doesn't want to spend on it right for whatever reason yeah and and we'll fight tooth and nail. And I've just started like diving in when I see that happening, um, and taking that as a sign that I should just do it now. Uh, and my brain can lump it. That's a good trick. That's uh, that sounds nice. That's I have a similar thing where like if I don't know how to proceed on like a debugging problem, my brain will like slip over into let's just see what's happening on Reddit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never anything good. Well, that's. It depends on what subreddits you're subscribed to. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I have definitely like trained myself to recognize when that's happening. Um, but I still fall prey to it sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, it's so much easier to like when you have a manual labor job to look like you're busy. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're being any more productive having done <laughs> manual labor jobs. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, boss. This rock just took a long time to break. I just I can't really it took a lot of hitting with the hammer. <laughs> it was a tough rock. Now, you are paid by the hour. Yeah. I mean, I wash the potatoes as fast as possible because otherwise I'd get yelled at by my sister and she's terrifying. <laughs> you should your sister should be your boss at your current job, too. Oh god, I don't know if I could handle that. <sighs> also, I'd have to explain my job to her better so she could yell at me more effectively. Uh-huh. <laughs> she can't just crack the whip and yell mush. <laughs> yeah. I mean she could. Isn't that what happened with the potatoes? Um th- yeah, that's how you get mashed potatoes. Uh speaking of which, Speaking of which, uh, Jenny, you have here food as revenge. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite Japanese concepts is, um, so they've got a culture and I think it's probably pretty gendered, but not necessarily where there's, you've got a, a partner making a lunchbox for their partner to go off to work and then eat this um this sometimes very beautiful lunchbox that's full of tasty delicious food made with love and that's a that's a very sweet japanese cultural thing and then you've got uh revenge bento which is uh-huh. if you piss if you piss off the person who makes your bento they might just send you to work with an entire box of pickled plums and no other food for the day and that's your lunch uh-huh. um, yep or like uh i saw one i saw one where someone had it was just a it was just a box of rice just plain white rice and then it said in seaweed they'd spelled out curry 
<laughs> this, this, so the, the food revenger has a sense of humor. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, it's very it's very trolly. <laughs> it's not like it's not I'm I'm angry with you to the point where I'm not going to feed you today. I just I want I want you to know who really has the power in this relationship. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then that made me think about the time that Chris asked me to uh, get him a Subway sandwich when I was running into the Subway and I asked what he wanted and he rattled off this giant long ass sandwich order with all kinds of things on it. And I said, there is no way that is well past uh, my cognitive load. I'm going to need you to write that down. And he handed me a folded piece of paper. And I think that the plan was for me to get into the subway and open up the piece of paper and see that it it said Leif Erikson. And then I don't know. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be very funny uh-huh. after that. But I um, I had the foresight to open it when I was still in the car and made him write down his actual sandwich order. But then I thought it would be funny to pretend that I had not gotten him a sandwich but had instead gotten him the Leif Erikson, which was uh, honey oat bread with bell, what, banana peppers and barbecue sauce. Yeah, that is correct. And nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that that combination is uh, is uh, the devil. Like, it, the devil taken physical form. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was really hoping like you were going to say, you just get that every Wednesday now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. Nope. No, there is, there's somebody out there and I know this because I've seen banana pepper and, and barbecue pizza. Uh, I know that there's someone out there standing for, for banana pepper barbecue and, um, you probably just have to add the mozzarella. Uh, I, I, I tried it and it was, it was a Leif Erikson <laughs> with mozzarella. <laughs> so I had, I had assumed this was L-E-A-F leaf and it was just all the, like the lettuce and the, uh, the cabbage. <laughs> and the... Oh, that's nope. perfect. <laughs> it just, I just wrote down the name of a Viking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. If I the next time I do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it look real enough that it only that it only breaks down once the actual order is happening. Oh, you can just write Leaf Leaf Erickson as an acrostic. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's incredible. I was gonna say you could like write some some summoning words in there, so I get halfway through your uh, yeah your sandwich order, and then suddenly there's like a Bahamut. <laughs> Oh, I was going <laughs> to mention the exact same demon. <laughs> Crazy. Like there's, I mean, there's a, a long tradition of poorly paid waitstaff getting back at customers by like playing hockey with the, the frozen burger patty. Actually, they probably just do that part for fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, talking to anybody who's ever worked at a restaurant, it just like solidifies why I never want to eat at a restaurant, but I keep doing it. Yeah, me too. It's uh it's been it's been a problem. Sometimes the amount of cognitive dissonance you're able to sustain is just not healthy for you. Well, I I try to harness it. I try to maximize it and see if I can and get get it to do work for me. <laughs> how's that how's that going? Uh so far nothing. 
I mean, you don't you don't seem to be made up of salmonella from but, eating at restaurants that you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna crack it someday. I mean, if I yeah, if I got contracted salmonella, I'd try to harness that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys ready for another topic? Sure. Yep. Uh, this is probably the last one we're gonna have time for. Uh, this is I wanted to talk about the only comma. Oh um, yeah. Which is um. This is this came up in the context, and I don't remember the actual grammar that was involved, but I'll link to the article which explains it in depth. This was talking about in the context of newspaper style guides, where there was an editor who was looking at a sentence that went something like, the owner opened the restaurant with his brother and then gave the brother's name, and was trying to determine whether or not they should put commas around the brother, around the, around the brother's name. Because if the commas are there, that implies that he only has one brother, and this is the brother. But if there are no commas there, that implies there are many brothers to choose from, and now we're specifying which brother. Wow. I had never heard that posited as a distinction that was being made with commas. Right. And the article goes on to say, like, I asked 20 people what... (laughs) What what they would think the commas meant, and like two of them guessed that it was how many brothers there were. Wow! So like this this was a an example of being given of like this is a case of where the style guide isn't really helping anybody. It's just like it's just making sure you're cor- technically correct for its own sake. Wow! Which is really all of grammar if you think about it. That gets into some interesting spaces about, um, especially given like the the representation of a pause in speaking and that pause in speaking meaning something different depending on where it is and how long it is and things like that. Like whether or not there is some kind of neurological basis for what sounds the best in language that translates over to the written word. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't have any answers for that and I don't think anybody does. But hopefully people are studying it. Yeah, I've noticed anecdotally a drift away from commas, like even in my own... In your own work or in other people's? Yeah, in my own, and not necessarily like my work, like I'm writing this to be an actual like fiction thing that I'm going to put up somewhere, but definitely when I'm communicating on the internet, I'll just do an entire sentence, just no commas at all. Like, I went to the store the other day, dog, and there was this thing, you know, guy... Yeah, and that's not just, like, you writing that way because it's funny. Yeah, it's because putting the commas in makes me feel more pretentious than everyone else on Twitter. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Somehow. I'll definitely do a thing where, like, I decide that leaving the period off the end of the sentence is funnier. A lot of the time it is. Yeah. Uh, My own history with commas not really relevant to a, from a linguistic perspective um, is that I uh, used in my mid teens, I used basically used ellipses instead of commas. Oh, like, wow. That's a um, mood. <laughs> <laughs> and, and very often instead of a period too, uh, instead of ending the sentence. And this I think is because in, um, 
demo productions, like in 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 like early demos and d- demos, like this is another another uh, topic that we could go off on. Um, but the short version is that demos are like programs written to do cool animations, and that they were shared uh, via like floppy disk and on the internet. And you would run these programs and be like, oh, I can't believe my computer did this cool animation because of this program. Good job, (laughs) programmers. Um, And uh, a lot of the time, um, I think what happened is that the people drawing the font would draw a period but not a comma because it's like, we're not going to have any commas in here. Just... uh, but we've got a period in there because you have to end a sentence. And so, or maybe because like the people's handles have Mr. or doctor in them. That was pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think people were like just improvising like, well, we can't, uh, we can't write any commas here, but we can put a pause in with the ellipsis. Uh, okay. It might also be that they were, they tended to be like Scandinavian and English as their second language. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was thinking about your finished demo scene days when I saw a UPS truck. Were you thinking about, you were talking about, thinking about my demo scene? Days? Yeah. Because <laughs> wow. we were talking about uh, you saying hoops. Oh, yeah. I was going to talk about that next. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you save that one. But I was looking at a UPS truck and I was thinking, what if we just agreed to pronounce it oops? I, I think, uh, I think we all should. Yeah. Uh, th- th- there isn't actually much of a story here, but um, I always pronounced it hups. I don't think that's actually how anybody, but apparently I, I picked this up in uh, on IRC when I was in a IRC channel with a bunch of Scandinavians and would, they would say H-U-P-S when they mean oops. And I think it's, I think they pronounce it oops. Huh. Um, and I just picked that up because I enjoyed it. I, and I will, I will say hups out loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting uh i don't want to distract from, but like the, the you're experiencing the same culture in two entirely different ways like the the in that online community that's crazy sorry go on i just wanted to mention that yeah uh i had a friend who who guessed that this was a finnish affectation <laughs> <laughs> i was just very pleased with this like oh yeah my my Finnish affectation is recognizable as such. That's cool. <laughs> you know, you can sing Finnish affectation to the tune of Wave of Mutilation. <laughs> do da do da. <laughs> oh, what was the thing, Zenny? You posted pictures of this that I think Chris had sent you, where he was putting post-its of, of song lyrics on top of. And you, know, you tell this story, not me. So we've got this bad problem where anytime anything matches the tune of the State Farm jingle, we're, uh, you know, the like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. We're more inclined to call it out one of us than we are not to. Um, That is problem. Yeah, it's very problem. Yeah. So uh, one day I think I was doing something. I think I was trying to do work or something. <laughs> and I just looked at my phone and I had I, I maybe like 10 or 12 photos of different things around the house that had labels on them. Like uh, like there was a book called Bountiful Bonsai. <laughs> and uh-huh. 
Yeah. The power of habit and uh-huh. ultimate Reese's. And Chris had taken a little index card with State Farm is there and held it up next to every single one of these things and taken a picture. And it was a different index card each time, like re- not, not the same one. That's, that's dedication. So this isn't dedication. This is the final form of a mimetic disease that I was infected with at some point like, a couple of years ago. And now oh, I yeah. can't, it's, it's like the movie Pi. Like, I can't not see it now. Like, this started when I looked down, right? This, this current outbreak. I, like, I looked down and I saw, like, Jenny had purchased these, uh, like, Korean blueberry nougat candies. Korean or Japanese? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, I just saw the words blueberry nougat. And then I started looking dude, around uh, at dude, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at something that says Kettle Brand potato chips right now. If you want one of those, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like um, sea salt, sea salt. Yeah, see, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And so I just went around the house, and just every time I saw something that matched the State Farm, I I took pictures and shared it with Jenny because that's how the that's how the disease spreads. <laughs> yeah, it needs to replicate using your brain resources. This is going to sound like a joke, but I mean this deadly serious. Corporations should have to pay ongoing rent for the space in my brain that mimetic, like the the ad jingles. Yeah. Yep. I think how uh, so often about how many like things from my schooling could be in there instead of like you save big money when you shop Menards. Oh, that one's just delightful, though. <laughs> it is pretty good. Um, that guy's uh, very bad. Oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It is delightful. It's a delightful jingle. And I'm sure whoever wrote the jingle might be a fine person. I don't know. We may never know. Or we can we can hire a private detective so we can put it in the show notes whether this person's yes. any good. That would be amazing to hire a private detective and have them on an episode. Uh, it's, I'll start the Kickstarter. The link will be in the show notes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> You've done enough Kickstarters now that you can just like roll over and bang one out, right? I've I've only done the one Kickstarter and it was I after it was done, I had a, a terrible gum infection because of the stress. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Acute necrotizing ulcerative gingivitis. Oh. Nug. <laughs> which <laughs> which um is when I told my mom that, she said, well, that's it sounds better than chronic necrotizing ulcerative gingivitis. <laughs> Fair. C-nug. But yeah, that's uh, it's, it's, uh, also known as trench mouth. Ugh. Uh, and so I just spent like two weeks uh, in bed drinking smoothies and watching X-Files. Just just so that that uh, myself and other listeners can, can av- avoid this, uh, what... What can people do to not have trench mouth? So at the time I was uh, finishing up the Kickstarter, the GDC happened during the Kickstarter. So I was going to GDC at the same time. I was giving a talk at GDC. So I was prepping for my talk. And part of running the Kickstarter was making a game to promote the Kickstarter. And also like I eat a lot of fast food when I'm stressed. So I think that like that all uh, adds up to to what happened so if you'd eaten say like a buddha hand i well i didn't have scurvy <laughs> okay so well, that's good yeah 
Yeah, that would have sucked to have scurvy and trench mouth at the same time. That would have just a bad. They probably would have fought each other, right? And then I would have been, I would have been able to get off scot free. I feel like scurvy versus trench mouth. That's a land battle versus a sea battle. Uh huh. I don't know who's got the upper hand. Yeah, I never, I never played those war hex war games, so I don't know. So if if one takes your gums and the other one takes your teeth uh-huh do you just have like lips <laughs> you have to get the third one that takes your lips okay okay <laughs> wow it's just skull at that point right like there's nothing just a big old floppy mandible i think it's time to call it guys <laughs> <laughs> this is too real i'm sorry Glad, glad that that, glad that that's in the past though. Glad that that's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, like, and even at the time I wouldn't have traded my life for another life that didn't just run a cool Kickstarter and get to spend two and a half years making weird troll games for a living. Woo. That was, that was very exciting. Uh, Jenny, if this is something you want, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I'm a, I'm currently on Twitter hiatus, but I will probably be off that by the time this podcast airs. So you can uh, twat at me. I am horse wizard with no A. So H-O-R-S-E-W-I-Z-R-D. Did you did you give up on your other Twitter handle? I, I lost the... I, I tried to go on break and I changed the password to gibberish. And then uh-huh. I regretted it later because I didn't... I don't know if I thought Chrome was going to store it for me or something was going to happen. Oh, but yeah. sure. So then I tried Twitter support and uh, they just kind of ghosted me. So I don't have access to that Twitter anymore. Maybe someone can hack it for you. Maybe they can. Uh, Chris, if this is something you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, right now, nowhere, because I'm actually also taking a uh, a... a- near and complete social media break uh and i don't have a new website up yet but uh probably soon so for now it was just i'm a ghost i'm like i it sounds nice i should be a ghost yeah it sounds great it's nice it's like being a quantum state you're like you only exist when you need to that's why i started a podcast so i could disappear (laughs) (laughs) lay low (laughs) all right thanks so much for being on yeah, it was delightful. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can discuss the episodes at the Topic Lords subreddit at r slash Topic Lords. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can find me on the Fediverse as mogwai underscore poet at mastodon.social. Also, I'm on Twitter. And you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.